0: May God bless you as you watch this week's message. Uh, We're so glad, guys, to have Ken and Linda with us again. Uh, They were here, I think it was in the month of November, and uh, we just so enjoyed having them. And time kind of ran out, and there was so much more than Ken wanted to show, but we're really trusting the Lord to speak to our hearts this morning. So would you do me a favor and welcome Ken and Linda, Linda Helser, and Ken is coming up to share the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. It's my script. Yesterday afternoon, after weeks of preparation to return, because all you really want to do is just be his instrument. Can you hear me okay? I know I need to speak up. Instead of the old burned-out, ravely rock-and-roll voice. i this is green, red i and blue for me and you. Anyway, I was sitting down to put these slides together and suddenly thought about what I wanted to say first. That's my grandson, and that's our great-grandson, our first. And if you could only know, if you could only know what's behind that picture, because that little boy, Spencer Daniel, at 13, had a knot over here that they washed for a year, because he was such a basketball player, he was always getting bruises. But it only grew, and it turned out to be a sarcoma. And they gave him an 80-some percent chance of survival. He went through chemo at Brenner's Children's Hospital in Winston-Salem. And the doctor said, Spencer, you're one of those patients that'll never be back in my office again. It was such a great, thorough healing that took place through the chemo. We were in Dublin, is that right? Dublin, Ireland, teaching in a YWAM school, my wife and I, and we got a phone call at 2 in the morning. And our daughter, choking over the phone, said to us, the cancer has returned and he only has a 7% chance of survival. And my wife, you remember shaking in my arms, and I don't know how we fell asleep. And we had one more week of teaching for that school before we could go home. And long and short, he, on one particular morning on the way to Brenner's from High Point, wanted to jump out of the car at 60 miles an hour, 65 And our son-in-law, Billy, held him to keep him from jumping out of the car because six months of radiation plus chemo so broke that 14-year-old little boy. And I had just been diagnosed with cancer myself. And my daughter called me and said, Daddy, would you speak with Spencer because he doesn't want to live. And it so happened I was at my keyboard in the house worshiping. And so I, they handed the phone to Spencer Daniel and Hey, Papa. I I said, "I, I know it's a tough time, but I want you to know you're not alone. What do you mean, Papa? I said, well, I have just been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And so you're not alone. Papa, what have we done to make God so pissed off at us that he put cancer on both of us? You don't mess with the theology of a 14-year-old suffering like that. I said, Spencer, I, I see it differently than you do. But that's okay. And instantly came a prayer. Don't you love the prayers that comes out of the very heart of God and allows you to be the one to pray on earth as he wills it to be in heaven. Which from Graham Cook is one of my favorite Definitions, though I know so little of it, but for my whole life, it's been prayer is first of all, foremost of all, foundationally listening. Before I can pray anything, I got to get in contact with the one whom I'm going to make a request to. So prayer begins with worship, which is simply, here I am. I'm here for you, Lord. What do you want? And in that moment of without thinking or anything, I just said to my little boy, I said, Spencer, I pray that one day I will marry you, not Bury here. And he survived. And he grew 15, 16. One night in the movie, my phone went off. I had it on silent, but hey man, I'm in the movie. What do you want? Papa, call me back as soon as this is over with. Okay, I will. I will. What's the deal? He said, I just met the woman I'm going to marry. And I said, I'll talk to you later. (laughs) So we go out to the car, and I said, what do you mean you just met the woman you're going to marry? He said, Papa, how do you know? He said, I had 12 things that I had written down in my journal of what I was going to look to to know that this was the gift God had for me. He never even dated anybody. He's 21, I don't know, 22. Never gone out with a girl? How do you know what you want, man? <laughs> Papa, she met all 12 and three more. Okay. <laughs> they came to us. What a joy to get to marry your grandchildren. I'm going to marry you, not bury you. But just prior to the marriage. That young man spent $4,000 going to Duke Hospital on one of the leading surgeon research, all of that, to find out if there was any possible way he could have any sperm. Because the radiation in this joint in that area, though they use metal plates and lead and all that, They said, probably you will never have children. So he spent $4,000 to give to Elizabeth, his wife-to-be. Elizabeth, I I don't want you to not know that if you say yes to me in marriage, you'll probably never, ever have the opportunity to, to be a mother. And as I was marrying them in her vows, she said, regardless of the way things look like, I marry you with the absolute hope and passion of my heart that you will make me a mother one day. They went to a church in Durham, Raleigh area, got seven prophetic words from seven different people at seven different times. And by number four, someone comes and says, I, 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 I think i got a word for y'all. I, I'm not sure. But I, and Spencer said, does it begin with immediately? Well, it does. Immediately, when the door opens, walk through it. That's a pretty good word right there, man, especially when it happens seven times. Immediately when the door opened, they sold everything they had. Cars, everything. Even their silverware that they got for their wedding because God called them to Israel for six months. They just knew some great door was going to open and they spent what money they did have Entertaining people that were there traveling through by making the Shabbat meal in, in Israel, a box of cereal is seven dollars and a quart of milk is six. They spent everything they had. But they came home pregnant. And his name is Levi Warrior. So I go over to hold him for the first time, and I've held lots of babies. I've held four of my own, and I, you know I just don't get excited about holding little babies, especially when their head hadn't come back to right shape yet. There's <laughs> Something weird about that man. But I could hardly wait to hold that little boy. And before I could go over that afternoon, I'm cleaning out the garage. Don't you love those moments of? clean in your garage. And in the middle of the most mundane thing, and I love that sometimes God speaks loudest in the most mundane things we do in life and catches us by surprise. And the word was You are destined, Levi, for greatness. But greatness is not a gift. Greatness is earned, attributed, received through character. And your middle name, warrior, means you will absolutely go through more warfare than a normal human being will go through and that's what will make you a warrior what a joy what a joy to live life in jesus next slide now my heart i'm here my wife for 56 years And doesn't she look 20 years younger than me? Come on. I married her when she was 14. It took us, she's actually two months older than myself. And what a joy of these 56 years. We're closer, and love each other more now than we ever, ever have in our whole life. And I'm here. I love to hold up books, but no, I don't get a kickback. I look at books outside of the Bible as tools, and when they're really written by craftsmen with words and really written from the heart, I just love to let people know about a great book. Somebody sent me this book for Christmas but didn't give a return it. did somebody here send me this? (laughs) Praying like monks, but living like fools. Tyler Stanton from the church there in Portland, Oregon. And we're reading, and so I read about the introduction in the first chapter, and all of a sudden I went, "Uh uh-oh. This book is too good to be read alone. And one of the great joys I've had over the last some years with my wife is every morning I make the coffee, French press. No, no, not French press, Chemex. French press coffee has a lot of, um, uh, what's I taking that statin drug for? Cholesterol. Broke my heart when I couldn't have French press coffee. But Chemex has a filter, so it's really good. I make the coffee, put the little blanket in the chair, so Oliver, our dog, can jump up in the chair and wait for you to come. And you come in, and you present yourself, and Oliver wags his tail, and I don't know what I do with my tail, but I get excited. (laughs) We read Psalms of the day. and We started some time ago. So you basically read 30 psalms each month. So you read the psalms two and a half times in a year. We read the proverb of the day. And then we read a gospel. We're in John 17 now. Just getting ready into 18. We're getting ready to go into the garden. It's this time now. And then we Do Oswald Chambers. Been reading Oswald Chambers for now 53 years come July. Got in a man's car, and he was taking me something called Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship. And I'm a baby Christian, 25 years old, been saved about a month and a half. What's this? It's yours. I'm not going to take your book. He said, yes, you are, and you're going to read it for the rest of your life. Don't you love those kind of moments? And then we read a book. And so when I read this, I said, "Uh uh-oh, so I ordered you one, so we're reading it together. And three days, four days ago, in the introduction, the writer says, I wrote this book, because I love his church. And I said, oh God, motivate me that way. May my motivation for what I do for the rest of my life come out of because I love your church. And you do not know because you don't know me that well i have never felt more inadequate to get up and speak before a group of people you cannot imagine how inadequate i feel this morning and i used to speak to big groups and lots of things and 200 sometimes a year and that's all gone it's just gone i don't care if i, I i'm nervous to get up in front of people now. And I've never felt more helpless because I don't want you to hear me, but I want you to hear Jesus so badly. The entrance of his word to you brings life. And I felt like I wanted to say something with caution. The last thing I want to do is correct you. I was in a church service a few weeks ago. And I mean, to tell you the truth, that sermon beat the hell out of me. I mean, whoo! And it wasn't encouraging. It was just, this is what you got to do. If you get any correction, may it come from blessed Holy Spirit because he loves you that much. Why does God even want to correct us? So we can have more of him. So that we can live better. I want that you would live abundant, rich, full life in Jesus. Why do I want that? Because finally after 52 years, since May 19th of 1970, I'm beginning to learn how to live. May it not take you one-fourth that long. But this thing of growing, this thing of dying, this thing of suffering with Jesus, as Paul wrote, that I might suffer with it so I also might be able to share in his glory. Listen, the Christian life is not hard. It's impossible. It's not a hard life. It's an impossible life. We can't do it without the Spirit. You can't imagine what a joy it was this morning. Raise a hallelujah. Our little boy wrote that song. And here we are. That little boy that, I always end up sharing this, I can't help it. When my wife in 1976 was two weeks two weeks away from a total hysterectomy, cancer of the uterus, And a prophet comes and says, you'll have a son named Jonathan David. And he'll play the harp and he'll write music that'll go all over the world. And when I told Linda, she says, this is going to be a miracle. I'm going to have a hysterectomy and have a baby too. That'll be a real miracle. I said, not if the Lord heals you. They went on a Friday DNC scrape the womb, come back Saturday, doctor's whistling down the hall. He said, I've been in practice 30-some years, Helsers, but I've seen my first miracle. There's nothing there. But wait six weeks before you start working on having that baby, okay? <laughs> Actually, he said, wait six weeks before you start working on Jonathan David. And I don't do this very often. <laughs> In fact, I don't think I've ever really done this, but I'd like to sing. It's my worship this morning, one of his songs. I I need the words. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone and I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child I'm no longer a slave to fear, no, no, I'm a child I'm God, if that's you, sing with me, you unravel me with a melody, you surround me with song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer slave to fear. I am a child of God. I know I am child of God don't, don't you love this line, Linda? From my mother's womb You have chosen me Love has called my name I've been born again to a family, your blood flows through my veins. One more time, your blood flows through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's true. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be back where I was last time, unfinished with... Can I, can I do one more song? I, I want to t- tell you about this song. I must skip, skip blessing the and assurance encouraging faith. And when I'm at home, I don't have time on my mind, so I imagine all these things. <laughs> Over the years of um, following Jesus and going where I felt he led me, um, my first ministry began at an old folks' home where people had dementia so bad that nobody knew I was there. And um, it was insane. But I went there quite often. And it's sort of like that's where I cut my teeth of learning how to stand up and minister the gospel of his redemption. Um and then a wonderful door opened up to go to some prisons, and then we ran. We worked with kids off the street, and ended up with three runaway girls in our upstairs, learning to live by faith. Long and short is, I ended up going to a place down in Okeechobee, Florida, called Dunklin Memorial Camp, and they had one of the greatest success success rates of addiction recovery of any ministry in the United States. And the only reason we found that out is every year, the Russian Orthodox Church sent over a delegation for a week to learn how they did ministry. And um, they did ministry because every single man, 70 in recovery, that's a huge ministry. And it was nine months. And then they had a second phase that if you have it to have restoration with your family, they would invite your family there for a year to do recovery with your family. And then they had a third year option where you could be licensed by the state of Florida to go into prisons and jails with a certificate to do ministry. Long and short is that um, I was there beginning in 1980 and went on for till just the last year or so, every year once and twice. And I was there one particular time, and we started off meeting in the uh, the large kitchen. And there's nothing worse than fluorescent lights on a cement floor in a stark kitchen. No ambiance whatsoever, but we had church. And one of those mornings when we were just having church with one-third Mexican, one third one-third brothers, and one-third white folks, I loved it. There was um, I just had this pause and I said, anybody got a testimony they want to share? right back by the kitchen door in white, one of the cooks, a black brother, said, Yes, Mr. Helse, I do. I got a word. I said, Well, go ahead. Come on. Come up here to Mike. Speak it. He said, Well, I just want everybody to know that I ain't running no more. Yeah. All my life, I had myself a running spirit. Now, I've heard of a lot of spirits, but a running spirit. And I says, what do you mean a running spirit? He said, you know, man." Incidentally, I, I, I'm not trying to, I forget in this racial tense craziness, but I grew up with a black nanny, and she taught me to sing when I was four years old, and that's where it rubbed off inside of me, so I'm not making fun. It's just the way he spoke. You got to be so careful today. To be, it's almost hard to be free. And so I don't mean anything derogatory by the way I'm talking. That's just the way he spoke. And I loved it. All my life I've had a running spirit. What do you mean a running spirit? It's so hard for me to do this without the dialect. You know, man. Every time the kitchen would get hot, I would boogie. But since I'm not running no more, I'm getting well. I went back to my room down in Okeechobee, out there in the swamp areas of about 900 acres. And I sat in my little room by myself, And the Lord said, that man just gave you the key to addiction. He said, take what that man with no education, cook in the kitchen, take what he gave you as the most valuable tool to understanding addiction you'll ever get. Every time the kitchen would get hot, I would make a way of escape for myself by running. And the Lord said, addiction begins when you take a way of escape other than Jesus Christ. I went, oh my goodness. That, that's it. And then the and from that. I just began to say, wow, encouraging faith, encouraging heart, an encouraging word holds back. And sitting in that little room in about 15 minutes, I I wrote this little song that just came right out of heaven. So if it's okay, this will be different than the other stuff. So I need to do this. Encouraging faith, encouraging heart Encouraging word that holds back the dark Encouraging love, he holds my hand Encouraging me, he understands Understand my fear, understand my doubts Understand those crazy days where nothing works out On the town with a fear. On the town with love. love, Big enough to heal. With a courage in faith. With a courage in a heart. An encouraging word that holds by the dark. Encouraging Encouraging love. You hold my hand. Encouraging. Encouraging me. You understand. Understand temptation when the lights go out and the prince of darkness begins to shout Real an accusation a lot of guilt a lot of condemnation Jesus understand such a situation with a carriage in Understand what I have, you understand what I'm not. Here we go. You understand I get a running spirit. Sing it, girl. Running spirit. spirit. When your kitchen gets hot, 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 but there ain't no detours on the gospel road. Understanding love, show me back home with the courage and faith, encouraging. with the courage and heart, encouraging, encouraging. Holds back the top. You're an encouraging Lord, encouraging. always holding our hand, encouraging. encouraging you and me. You understand. Made it up. Thank you. you kind. So I want to back up. If you weren't here on November the 22nd, when I came with a message, and it was interesting when you were singing the song about the heart burning, it, they, underneath it on your slide, there was a scripture from Psalm 73, verse 25. And it's where David wrote that you alone I have in heaven and there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. And if I was to give this message that I've been working on since before November, something the Lord began to download in my heart, it was simply this. Lord, I want your redeeming, unfailing, Calvary love. One more time. Redeeming, unfailing, Calvary love. To so change my heart that what I want becomes what I need. And that what I need becomes what I want, what I desire. I believe transformation over life will bring you to this point that you don't want anything except what you need. And that the thing that you need becomes the very thing that you want. That would be a transformed heart. So my notes went like this, and I'm going to try to do them quick. Amazing how you can make that thing come up like that. Can you go back to where I was so I could know where I am <laughs> so this came from Pete Greg, and I love it learning to learning to hear and know God's voice both his word and his whisper is the most important thing you will ever learn in your whole life that's how I came to know Jesus is I wanted to know is it possible to hear God Because in my burned out LSD, dope smoking days, (laughs) thank you, Jesus, I don't really regret them except I was lost. It was a lot of fun (laughs) making music and riding around in a Winnebago with the back of it with a toilet so if the narcs ever stopped you, you could flush it. That was fun, man. We had a good time. But in the middle of all that i i, I began to read the bible <laughs> it was so funny to be with six other musicians and everybody's stoned out of this world man you know and we're riding down the road listening to this, lucy in the sky with the diamonds anyway um and i'm reading the bible and people would go by and say, man you shouldn't read that book and make you go crazy You'll you'll lose your mind. I did. That book'll wash your brain. Thank God. <laughs> but there was a verse in fifty-five Isaiah thirty verse three: "Hear and your soul shall live." Hear what? Hear God. And I went from church to church to church for at least three or four months. And nobody could tell me that they'd ever heard God. And nobody could tell me how to hear God. So finally, on May the 19th, I met a man that did. And I gave him my life, and I resigned my career, my music, and everything. And We just recorded a big thing up in New York City on and on and on. But I began to hear the voice of the Lord, and on my tombstone, if If they have one for me over there at the farm, I want inscripted on it in everything God has a voice. I can hear him in everything that happens in life. Or I can miss him in anything. It all depends upon my passionate desire for him to speak louder than my own thoughts and the noise of the world around me. Next one, I gotta get going. Go to the next one. This is what I was, this is where the world's definition of love is tolerance. Keep going. This is where I got caught up, keep going. So you're now all caught up with where we was. And now the next one. Make my wants be my needs And my needs be my wants Transform my heart And make me your own Till my wants and my needs become one And the same to my wants And my needs become one. And he gave that on Wednesday, working out at the YMCA, before I got here at the church. And I thought, this is good. And that's why I quit. But this is the rest of the message. When I was a little boy, I had an incredibly creative mother. She was creative because she was born in a family of 13 in Wayne County, Goldsboro. Father was a tobacco farmer, and they were dirt poor. Her creativity came out of making the toys they had. And my creative mother did two things that, to this day, if I could beg you as parents... If you can keep a television out of the house, praise God, that's not legalism, that's not correction. But one of the great things that makes me what I am today is that I grew up without a TV and my mother read me stories every night. And I learned now that when you read to a child, you develop his imagination. But when a child looks at a phone, looks at a laptop, looks at a TV, he may hear the words, but he's robbed because that thing gives him the picture. Imagination comes from story, and you begin to see the picture. Oswald Chambers in March says, I will keep them in perfect peace. You know that verse in Isaiah? I'll keep them in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon me. One translation of that, I will keep them in perfect peace whose imagination dwells upon me. As we were worshiping in my imagination, I saw each one of you in this place with your angel Hovering over you with his wings spread over you. that seeing spiritually with your imagination. That's one of the great beauties of worship. You get to see what God is doing. I was at the table drawing a picture. They had a contest in Raleigh. We were in school. Fred Olds Elementary. And they said, whoever has the best picture will get it put up next to Mr. Hooper. He was the principal. They said he was mean, but he was always smiling at me. And I wanted to have my picture put up, so my mother heard me drawing. You know, girls talk. Hi, I'm Jane. I'm Susan. You want to play house? You be the mother, and I'll be the child. Boys don't do that. They make noise. (laughs) Ah, (laughs) Even to this day, if I pick up something heavy. I said, why do you make noise? Because I'm a boy. <laughs> she heard me join. Ah. <laughs> what are you doing, son? I said, I- I- I'm drawing this picture of a fire truck on the way to a fire, and people are jumping out of windows and those things that look like whatever, hoops, and, and-, and-, and I'm going to have it put up in the next of the hoop- Hooper's office. I'm going to have the best picture. She said, not like that, you ain't. And she turned my paper over and said, don't you touch those crayons. And she went into the toy closet and hallelujah, I still have it. Some things are just worth keeping. And she put that little toy fire truck out on my table and the only table we had in the house, which was the dining room table. That's where we did everything. She said, before you pick up that crayon, I want you to look at, she wanted to say perspective, but she knew I didn't know. But she showed me some go, some things curve, some things, and she said in the wheels, we'll just go get a 50 cent piece because the hardest thing to draw is a circle. And she said, when you can see this with your eyes closed, you'll be able to draw it. It's one of the greatest art lessons you can ever have. To be an artist, you first have to learn how to see. To be a musician, you first have to learn how to hear. Yellow, yellow, red, red, green, green, red, purple, purple, orange, orange, blue, blue, yellow, xylophone, yellow, yellow, red, red. One day she heard the music. Mama, where's my music? I hid it from you. Why? She said, because music is not on a printed page. Music is something you listen to on the inside. Thank you, Mama. And my picture got put up next to Mr. Hooper's office. <laughs> and I began to sort of become a musician and an artist because of those two little lessons of life. And one day in Cameron Village in Raleigh, next to Medlin Davis Cleaners was a hobby shop. I loved hobby shops, all those neat little things. But this one was different. This one had art supplies in the window. And right there where the light focused right on this incredible wooden box made of oak with Grumbacher burned into the top of that box. And I looked at that box. Over there was linseed oil. Over there was turpentine. And down in the front was brushes. And up in the lid was this little pallet. that had a little leather strap. 32 tubes of paint. Each one was so neat. I found that same set in the Sears Roebuck catalog. On page 389. And every night, Mama was making supper. I, Mama, I'll be good for a whole year. I won't, I won't beat up my brother. I won't say bad words. And that's, that's all I want because that will help me to be a real artist. Christmas morning came and we were so... My brother got his Schwinn bicycle. Mother, brother got his BB gun to shoot his eye out with, <laughs> and all that was left was small, not wooden box thirty. I knew it was a joke. I picked it up. She's got rocks in that thing. He said, "Mom always gets me what I want." It was a Christmas card box. I just knew it was going to be rocks, but it was white, red, blue, yellow, black, big, stupid, fat, Ugly tubes of pain. (laughs) I said bad words, but not out loud. (laughs) I said the S word, and I was only in the fifth grade. I learned it from Johnny Hopkins. He used that word. (laughs) My mother saw my disappointment go to the next slide. And she said these words indelibly printed on my heart to this day. Son, I'm so sorry. Because I could not get you what you wanted. But I've gotten you what you needed. And she left with that stupid box of color. And she went in the kitchen to make the traditional Christmas breakfast she always made. But she didn't make breakfast. Son, come here and bring your pants. I can still feel my attitude. i them in the kitchen, put the stupid box down. And she had taken a coping saw and carved out from Luan plywood something that looked like a palette, And she had a bone-handled butter knife. And I remember her saying, see that blue, it's called cobalt blue. And that tube of yellow, that's called cadmium yellow. I want you to see something. And when blue and yellow kissed each other, It became green. How did you do that? And with a little more blue, it became shades of green. With a little more yellow, it became like dandelion yellow. And that day and the next day and the next day until we went back to school for one week every day my mother spent at least an hour a day teaching me how to take five tubes of paint and make color. And I still have it. My first little painting a Maybury Mill up on the Blue Ridge Parkway with greens and yellows and browns made with black and red and a little yellow was umber and a little less of that was siennas with a more red. And so I decided that I would paint my mother, and I don't do this often, this is the original, that I'd paint my mother the way I remembered that box of paints. And I gave that to her for Christmas. I said, thank you, Mama. She said, you got the story wrong. I did. (laughs) She said, no, I bought you this set. It was $16.95, which took a $20 bill, which in 1954 was a lot of money. And I was paying for it. And your daddy back then made less than $90 a week, so that was a lot of money. That was a lot of grocery money. And the man was wrapping it up. He said, lady, is this for you? And she said, no, it's not. It's, it's for my son. And he stopped. He said, what? And sizing up her age, he said, how old is your boy? So he well, he just turned 12. She said, I, he said, I'm an artist, and I can't do this. I can make a whole lot of money off of this, but I would not be able to live with myself. If you give him what he wants, you will ruin him. He will never, ever become an artist because he will never learn the fundamentals of how color works. Here, here's your, I would advise these five tubes. That even made it better. Next slide. In Psalm 106, a people whose heart was hardened, God did miracle after miracle. He parted the Red Sea and destroyed their enemy. Not one of them lived. Fed them, clothed them. But they were never, ever satisfied with what God gave them to live. And they longed for the leeks and onions of Egypt, and then they wanted, and they ate those little birds until they had birds coming out of their nostrils. God, I love the way the Bible doesn't hesitate to speak truth. And then comes that verse, he gave them what they asked for, but he sent leanness to their soul. What do you ask for? What if life has been designed in such a way by the master that Psalm 73, 25, all I want is you, Lord. But what if out of your incredible passion and love for me, you want to give me good things? How do I know? I don't even know what to ask for if my wants or my needs. And so back before the 22nd at 4 in the morning, I hadn't finished the message. I couldn't end on that. And I was crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I can't leave these people with this dilemma. And so the Lord, oh, at that moment, yeah, the most beautiful thing, next slide. My friend Mary Heron, and if I could have an hour and a half, I might could tell you about this lady. Born in China, missionary parents, agriculture missionaries from North Carolina State, came all the way to Raleigh, North Carolina, to Meredith College when she was 15. She was the belle of Meredith College in about 1907, 1908, 1909. Engaged to a man from Duke, a doctor to be the belle of Meredith College. Yay, it was going to be so romantic. And the Holy Ghost gave her a vision of a woman walking all along through life. And she said yes to marry Jesus, broke the engagement, went back to China. Her parents thought she'd become too religious, took her Bible away from her and had her put into a mental hospital in China where a nurse told her about the baptism and the Holy Spirit when she was 21. And that woman moved to Raleigh and for 70-some years, I think, maybe 65, she taught the Bible out of her little apartment and I've been there at times, when a hundred people would be there sitting in the windows and all around her house. Mary Heron called on our family to, she said, can I be your grandmother? And my little Jonathan and our children grew up with Mary Herring sitting at our table. So full of life. And one day I had this situation where I didn't know what to do. And we we had a really important decision to make. And um, thank y'all. Am I going too long? I got 10 minutes, right? Thank y'all for listening. I, I hope I haven't worn you out. No. But we had a difficult decision, Linda. I don't remember what it was. And Mary had a way. If she had something important to tell you, she did not raise her voice she lowered her voice. That meant you had to get almost in her face. Thank God she chewed mints. <laughs> and she would whisper to you. And I was really close. And Mary said, let me tell you. I was asked to speak at the first Chinese church in the state of North Carolina, in Raleigh. She started that church. And so many students, Carolina Duke, Wake Forest State, were from China, and she would hold services there on Sunday. And uh, had other people too. But she had to preach on that Sunday morning, and it was Saturday. (laughs) And Mary learned how to ice skate in China on the frozen rivers in the north. And she wanted to watch the Winter Olympics because she loved the figure skating where it pairs the couple skating together. And she wanted to watch it so bad that she, she said, I closed my Bible and I turned on that wicked TV. Now, this is 68-year-old lady now. And I watched the Olympics And I did the whole time with a heart full of guilt. But I just so loved it when when he stops and she's up there. and Oh, and then they gracefully, oh, I was just, oh. But I was full of guilt at the same time. I watched television instead of studying my Bible. When it was over with, I turned it off and I got on my knees and I repented. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. And the Holy Spirit said, Mary, I wanted you to watch that with me. You did? Yes. I wanted to give you your message for tomorrow through the Olympics. But you were so religious, Mary, you couldn't even enjoy it. <laughs> Does that sound like Jesus? You're so religious. You couldn't even enjoy it. You you wanted me to watch. He said, "Yeah, that was your message." Don't you understand? When you when you run and you stop, you stop. But when you're on ice, you slide. And if it's fresh, sharpened skates, and the ice has not been, you can glide forever. That's the spirit. That's what it's like walking and living in the spirit. Just a little emotion in me and you can go forever. And when I stop, you stop because we are in a divine dance together, Mary. That's the message I want you to take to church tomorrow. But you almost missed it because you didn't listen to your heart. Lord, In Jeremiah 17, it says, the heart is wicked and despiteful. Who can know it? And don't, don't you love it when you find yourself preaching back to God? Which heart, Mary? Church, may you grow and live and move. By living out, not from the heart of stone, from the heart of flesh. You said we wish we could stay in this synagogue. We are. We are the dwelling place. He's come to live in us. And the great mystery withheld through the ages in Colossians 1, Christ in us, the hope of glory. What is it like of Jesus living and moving and you what is that? Is, is that how we're supposed to live? <laughs> Did you get? Of course that's how we're to live. We don't live from that old creation anymore. We live from a new creation, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Lord. And, and one of the ways of first beginning to realize he's in you is ask him, are you happy living in me? Do you enjoy Jesus living inside of me? I asked him that about 30 years ago. And then I said, Lord, please, whatever it takes, I want this to be a dwelling place that you delight in. That would be my highest joy and yours too. Make my wants be my need. And my needs be my wants, transform my heart and make me your own, till my wants and my needs become one, and the same to my wants and my needs become one. Did you receive that from the Lord? Did you receive it with an agreement? That's what I want. And I want you to do whatever it takes that you can enjoy being yourself inside of me, your temple, your synagogue. Lord, I've given what I believe was your heart. I've done all I can do. I'll walk away. We'll go out for lunch, I guess, wherever David you take me. And we'll go back home. But Jesus, would you take, what you've done today and etch it, burn it deep because this is your church. You love your church and you want these people to live more abundant life than they've ever known. Grow faith here, God. Grow faith that we will turn And really be your disciples. And really be your dwelling
0: place. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.